is Bloomberg Surveillance. It's going to be two years where oil prices are going to be half of where they were before the correction, and that's that's a long period of time. When the Chinese currency moves 1, 2, 3 percent against the dollar, the world gets in a tizzy. When the U.S. market's done well, EMs have outperformed, and in periods where the global markets have had a weaker year, EMs have underperformed. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen. Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. Bank of America out earlier. A soggy report. Michael McKee, you're looking at the first headlines from Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo reporting net income of $5.5 billion works out to an earnings per share of $0.99. Cents. The consensus of analysts surveyed was for $0.97. Cents. The headlines are just crossing. We'll get you all the details as they continue to come in. Uh, but it looks like Wells Fargo may have beaten. However, yeah. we do have to see if they adjust that earnings per share number. And they spike up. They do a J.P. Morgan pretty much, uh, as we saw yesterday. Uh, J.P. Morgan uh, spiking up yesterday. Wells Fargo spiking up. Both of them very different than the immediate price action that we saw in uh, Bank of America. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Cohn Resnick, accounting tax advisory to keep your business on top of issues in the evolving renewable energy market. It takes dedicated industry experts like Cohn Resnick. Find out more at ConeResnick.com. All right. We've got a revenue number now for Wells Fargo, uh, $22.2 billion. The consensus forecast, 21.6. So early on, it looks like uh, Wells Fargo has done better than expected. Net interest margin of 2.9%. The forecast was for 2.92%, so no uh, friend of the Fed there. We become wiser. Right now, Eric Oja uh, joins us with Standard & Poor's on uh, the banks. Eric, what is the distinction? To me, Wells Fargo is the most distinctive too big to fail. Do I have that right? Yeah. Uh, Wells Fargo is uh, the strongest bank in the United States. Uh, with the least global exposure. So it was a little bit of a surprise that it uh, was considered um, in, in that it failed the living wills yesterday. What is the uh, – it's very early, but does, do we have an, uh, information on, on what it was that uh, Wells Fargo did right compared with the others whose uh, revenue came in light? Um. Yeah, it's a little bit early. We're still um, going through the release right now, but it looks like uh, in terms of the uh, net interest income and the loan growth. I mean, Wells Fargo has had uh, traditionally strong loan growth, and now that the net interest margin is more stable, uh, that they've gotten over their uh, narrowing net interest margin, um, that is going to really help them with the revenues and no uh, negative surprises on the non-interest income as well. Yeah, loans and profits grow, uh, which is the same thing we saw at Bank of America. Bank of America, you know, their their uh, shortfall came about in the trading uh, room again, uh, but it looks like banking, the traditional banking seems to be uh, doing fine for these companies. Yeah, that's true. Um, With Bank of America, first of all, the comparison from a year ago is very difficult. Um, So, yes, it's true that trading uh, volume uh, fell pretty significantly, but that's from a year ago. Um, In terms of uh, how it did uh, with relation to Q4, Q3, trading volume was up very strongly. Um, 
I would say that the, the major thing with Bank of America is that their net interest margin got hit pretty hard, um, and that's because of the uh, debt securities they have as assets. They, they have to raise those up to meet liquidity requirements, so that really hurt mm-hmm. their net interest margin, and therefore they had a 4% uh, revenue miss versus consensus. Yeah, I, I look at the nuance here. How much of this is an overlay of nominal GDP? We all get hyper narrow, and I can hear a lot of our audience worldwide going, yeah, but the economy's weak. If we had, I mean, forget about Atlanta GDP now or even New York GDP now, if we had a run rate of subpar 2.5% or morning in America 3.2%, a lot of this discussion would go away, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, loan growth would certainly be a lot stronger uh, than it is right now. I mean, uh, loan growth at these banks, um, what, before the economic crisis, uh, loan growth was traditionally about 7% a year or about twice the GDP growth rate. And, and right now with a low, let's say, uh, 2% uh, run rate on the GDP, loan growth is about 4%. And clearly the two uh, depend on each other. So um, it looks like uh, we're still in a low-growth environment, and so banks have to make the bottom line by cutting expenses and improving their legal cost position and uh, trying to keep the provisions relatively low. Well, it looks like for Bank of America today, uh, they did contain legal issues. Yeah, and the same thing with uh, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, both banks, uh, as we know, uh, paid out very heavily in 2011 through 2014. So um, knock on wood, it looks like uh, they've gotten through that tunnel. And um, uh, Jamie Diamond did note that uh, they expect that the legal costs will be much, much lower uh, going forward. And, and I would say that that's a very positive point for both of those banks. I would suggest, Eric, and I, I really, you know, I love the, what you do with Five Star. What's the star on Bank of America now? Do, and, and did you, did you, do you know that? Is it five star, four star, three star, negative one star? What is it? No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand. You have this uh, S&P Outlook star yeah. ratings? Yeah, yeah, okay. In terms of, yeah, we have what a What the banks? Rating. Yeah, we have a, a, a by ranking on Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, and okay. Citigroup, and that would be four stars. I would suggest a lot of our audience has an understanding somewhat of Mr. Diamond and the structure under him. Bank of America, you know, with no fault of Brian Moynihan, is this Ken Lewis amalgamation of 48 banks or whatever it was. And, I mean, it goes back to Bobby Orby and the spokesman for Bay Bank up in Boston a million years ago. What is the organization under Mr. Moynihan? The perception is he's running this off the Rolodex at his desk, which I'm sure is wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's a less forceful leader than Jamie Dimon. Uh, I mean, uh, JPM is an am- amalgamation of many banks fair, as well. Fair, I mean, I could, fair, Yeah, manufacturers hand over chemical. You're um, not old enough to know Manny Hanny. Oh, I'm old, I'm old enough to know Manny Hanny and its predecessors. So, um, no, uh, but JPM is an amalgamation of six large different banks, each of which was a roll-up. So it it comes down to forcefulness of personality, of forcing these banks to integrate. So I think uh, the knock on Bank of America is that they have not really forcefully integrated these banks, and it's still kind of a mishmash. And I don't get that uh, negative feeling with uh, J.P. Morgan. 
energy has been a big issue for a lot of banks. Uh, Wells Fargo with some particular exposure uh, to that sector. Yeah, I mean, these larger banks um, have a greater exposure to the energy sector than uh, most uh, regional banks. And the one thing to keep in mind, it's not just oil, but it's also gas. And uh, like uh, J.P. Morgan noted yesterday, uh, gas is the thing that they're really worried about. Um, I'll tell you that uh, Wells Fargo's energy exposure is 1.9% of loans. So um, it, it's fairly large, but um, as J.P. Morgan noted yesterday, it's also the exposure to shipping and to metals and mining. That, those are the things that worry them the most. Yeah, they say in the uh, in the earnings uh, release that um, their loan, the oil and gas portfolio, and this is a quote, remains under significant stress. And they have uh, reserve, built reserves of $200 million as um, they see continued deterioration within the oil and gas portfolio. Are they, are they setting us up for a disappointment next quarter? Uh, yeah, likely um, this will continue uh, into Q2. Uh, I mean, just because bank stocks rallied strongly yesterday uh, does not mean we are out of this. And I would expect that Q2... Uh, earnings yeah. are vul- vulnerable. That's right where I wanted to go. Thank you so much, Mike McKee, for bringing that up. Do you have anything yet within the conference call or press releases that tells you what's going on on April 14th? Uh, what, in terms of when they slow report, motion uh, first, slow motion first quarter. We're two weeks yeah. in. The Red Sox are in last place. Uh-huh. What does the second quarter look like for these banks? Okay, well, one thing on the positive side, I would say that loan growth looks really strong. I mean, J.P. Morgan yesterday reported 11% year-over-year loan growth. So uh, the global economy has not gone off the tracks. Uh, That's a strong positive. Um, On the negative side, uh, costs for oil, gas, and mining uh, will continue to be high and likely in Q2. So this could be something that lasts for over a year. Eric O'Hara with us with Standard & Poor's. We'll continue this discussion on global Wall Street and banking. Maybe even, Mike, talk about the excitement known as the European banks. Ooh. (laughs) That's coming up. They would kill for Brian Moynihan's problems. Futures exactly flat. Time to check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world of national he- uh, headlines, Mike. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders will hold a Democratic presidential debate tonight in New York. The CNN debate will take place in Brooklyn ahead of New York's primary on Tuesday. Bloomberg Radio will carry the debate live starting at 9 p.m. Wall Street time. Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, and John Kasich will each speak at a New York State Republican gala. U.S. Defense Secretary Ash Carter says American ships are conducting joint patrols with the Philippines in the South China Sea. The U.S. says it will also be keeping about 300 troops in the Philippines through the end of the month. NATO Secretary General says he will bring up the actions of Russian planes buzzing U.S. naval ships in talks next week between the military alliance and Russia. He says the behavior is unsafe and unprofessional. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Uh, Michael Barr, thanks so much. Oil, green on the screen. Say what you will. Higher, 4192 on American Oil. Brent, 4439. From New York, worldwide, coast to coast. 
Bloomberg Surveillance. This news update brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. Stock Index futures are little change this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking in news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. stock futures are quiet today. Dow futures currently lower by two points. S&Ps are little changed. And Nasdaq futures are lower by three. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.79%. And European markets are trading mixed this morning. On the U.S. economic front at 8.30, initial jobless claims and CPI. At 10 o'clock, Fed's Lockhart speaks in Chicago. And at 10.30, natural gas storage change. In other news, Pacific Crest says Intel expected to miss Q1 view midpoint and cut its forecast. William Blair says Catalan reasonable takeout price, $35 a share. And Goldman Sachs says tobacco stocks have tailwinds into Q1. After the Bellis Night, Seagate preliminary Q3 revenue was below estimates. Shares are down 9% pre-market. Regarding earnings this morning, BlackRock and PNC EPS missed estimates. Bank of America missed. Delta EPS beat. And Wells Fargo EPS beat, but net interest margin was below estimates. Finally, some of your street upgrades and downgrades. 3D Systems raised to buy at Bank of America. Cowan downgrades Potash, Mosaic, and CF Industries. Chipotle raised over at J.P. Morgan, Pepsi cut to hold at Stiefel, and Applied Materials raised to buy over at UBS. Live from the first of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk Go on your terminal. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K-Go. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Greatly appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Invesco. Markets may be volatile, but Invesco's value managers are finding high-conviction opportunities. Find out where at Invesco.com slash interactive. Uh, Eric Oha joining us uh, with Standard & Poor's as we look at banking. Eric, I hate to do this. Is it possible we could talk about other banks besides these chosen five too big to fail? How are the regionals doing? Well, the regionals... Uh, traditionally uh, have stronger loan growth than the big five uh, to big, too big to fail banks. Um, the trouble with the regionals uh, is that they've been under some net interest margin pressure uh, due to the low interest rate environment. And they also have some exposure to uh, oil and gas drilling. So uh, we expect uh, slightly better uh, reports um, based on uh, what J.P. Morgan uh, Chase reported yesterday, uh, we expect that loan growth will remain strong, uh, yeah. that the U.S. economy is strong, but that there will be costs uh, due to the oil and gas exposure. PNC, the first uh, big regional out this morning, uh, revenue $3.67 billion, uh, lower than the 3.76 forecast and earnings per share of $1.62, way under the estimated $1.70, Tom. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that the, the challenges out there, are we where we were decades ago, Eric, where it's not what you do, it's what you don't do? Are the regionals in a better spot because they didn't do some of the things that the big banks did? Or is it the other way around, that J.P. Morgan's in a better spot because they didn't do what the regionals did? Which way does that cut? 
Um, I, I think that uh, the regionals um, certainly got themselves into a lot of trouble uh, 10 years ago, um, just as the big banks did. So um, there are big banks that did very well, um, like J.P. Morgan Chase did not report any quarterly losses, even during the financial crisis. Um, and then uh, regional banks like PNC and um, U.S. Bank Corp. did not report any losses as well. And then there were the horror stories, uh, like Bank of America and Citigroup uh, of, of the large banks, and then uh, Fifth Third and uh, some of the other regional banks that don't even exist anymore, like National City, that reported gigantic losses. So I, I don't really think it's a size issue. Citigroup, yet to report of uh, the biggest. They're uh, coming out tomorrow. Uh, estimates are for a dollar three, the range ninety-four cents to a dollar ten. That's still going to be well below what they earned in the first quarter last year. So, not going to be much change expected out of Mr. Corbett's group. Yeah, that's true. Now, um, the, the thing with Citigroup is that they uh, are comparing to a year ago uh, when they had very strong. Uh, fixed income uh, trading revenues. They had uh, $3.5 billion of fixed income trading. So the comparisons are really, really difficult, and that is such a large part of what they do, the trading and investment banking. So uh, it, it will be a difficult report for them, but based on what we saw from J.P. Morgan Chase yesterday, the global economy is still expanding, and loan growth should be strong. Well, if you have a... Uh, a tough quarter comparison, and they come in at least around estimates. How do investors react? Uh, the Citigroup was the only one that got a passing grade from the Fed and FDIC on its uh, 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 living will. Yeah, and, and I think that's a tremendous positive uh, for Citigroup. I mean, just uh, two years ago, they reported uh, large losses um, in their Mexican uh, subsidiary, and people rightly raised questions about their corporate governance and their risk management. And I think it's, it's a tremendous thing now to see the progress that uh, they've made under Michael Corbett to uh, rationalize the bank, sell down the uh, city right. holdings, bad bank assets, and to really make it more like J.P. Morgan Chase rather than Bank of America. Yeah. And with, with Citigroup's um, global exposure, that's, that's more and more important um, to know that everything is uh, well managed in all the 140 countries that they work in. Very valuable. Greatly appreciate it. Eric O'Ha with uh, Standard & Poor's 500. We need to switch now to domestic economics. There's a set of people we think we know, Stanley Fisher, Janet Yellen, on and on. Mike McKee, who's Dennis Lockhart? Dennis Lockhart is the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, former Citigroup official, among other things. Uh, and he is... Uh, on the on the hawkish side of the spectrum for the year, told the Nikkei uh, Japan, in Japan that there is yeah. uh, room for three rate increases this year. That was his, his last public comment. He didn't do that when he was a lieutenant in the Marines. <laughs> he was a lieutenant in the Marines out of Stanford, out of Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies, with a really, like a lot of the presidents, with a really different and twisted path. This to the president of the Atlanta Fed, Kathleen Hayes with Lockhart, next.
We are counting down to the opening bell. Uh, the, with all due respect, highlight is next. Land Rover, if it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport built to help your search, visit LandRoverTriState.com. 